0: Time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is a special bonus episode just for everybody where we talk about chicks, 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 chicks and more chicks, and more chicks. We drink a ton, I'm talking a ton of coffee. But most importantly... We hug our chicks every day. We hug our chicks every day. And kiss them too. Don't forget to kiss them. We were coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly what kind of coffee are we drinking today? A very strong Colombian. Colombian. So if you like great coffee and scones and homemade cookies, anything like that in your local head over to coffee coffee and you will not be disappointed let me just take a minute to tell everybody about iowa blue farm it's a woman-owned family-run all-natural chicken treat company in the midwest and we love supporting those women-owned businesses 1000 percent they make 100 percent all-american oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all types of poultry. And I'm talking if you have chickens, if you have ducks, turkeys, peacocks, quail, you can feed these grubs. They're high in calcium and protein, and they love them. They do. A good source of concentrated protein and calcium. My flock comes running for them. They lose their minds when they see the blue bag. The blue bag keeps them running. The other thing Iowa Blue has is they make an excellent organic feed, both in layers and With growers, right? So we have a video up on our Instagram page of us opening this bag and showing you what this feed looks like. It's amazing. It's packed full of nutrients. It's exactly what they need in protein. It's an excellent food. It's really good stuff. Fresh grains. It's not dusty at all. My chickens go crazy for this food. Are going crazy over this food. They love it. So if you want to go over and give them a try, go to iowabluefarm.com. And when you decide you want to try it, go in under the coupon code and put COFFEE, all caps, 25. And Iowa Blue Farm is giving anyone who's listening to us and hearing this 25% off site-wide their first order. And this is an excellent deal. That's a really good value. It is a good value and it's a good way to try something and see if it works for you and get a little bit of a discount. The stuff is high quality and you will not go wrong. Coupon code coffee with all caps, 25. Anything you choose. For your first order. For your first yeah. order, you can't go wrong. So go ahead over IOLBlueFarm.com and give them a look. They're baked with love. Shipped with care. And, and shipping is always free. free. So this is a special bonus episode, Chicks 101. Yep, we are bringing you all the information about raising chicks. This is the first time that we've kind of gone a little bit off our usual regimen of how we do an episode. Yeah, no segments. We're really going to pack this one with information for you. Yeah, we feel like the time that this is coming out is right when everyone's going to start getting chicks. Right. So we want you to be able to go back and re-listen if there's something that you want to learn about. And we want to pack this as much as we can with useful information for you. Right. So this is really aimed at the person who has never had chickens before or has never had chicks. Right. We're going to tell you all about what we do and some of the facts and the science around chicks. Right. But it also might be interesting for someone who's an old hand but just hasn't had chicks lately. Right. Some so we have had chicks in a few years. Right. When I worked in the veterinary medicine world, just as everything... Technology improves year after year. Yeah, it's very true. Things change. What we're doing this year is a lot different than what we did 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as technology comes up with the times, everything changes. So even if you've had chicks before, it might be a good idea to give it a listen. So what we're going to do is kind of start at ground zero for chicks Yep. and chick development. Yeah, so like some basic physiology of how a chick develops in the egg. So, we're just gonna, we're not even gonna talk about variables. We're just gonna give you the basic science. Here. That's just, let's just get the facts out right. for everyone on the chicks and the eggs. So, chicks develop in fertilized eggs. Correct. The eggs have to be at a minimum of 99.5 degrees. Right. And the chicks grow over a 21 day period. So, the chicks are gonna be. In this 99.5, and that's generally why chickens usually only go broody when it's warm. Right, exactly. Their temperature has to be up also. Exactly. And they have to be able to sit on those eggs, or you can use an incubator. Right, so you can use an incubator. You set it right at 99.5. Right. If the eggs are being hatched by a mama birdie hen, right. her internal temperature is usually like 105 to 106. Exactly. So the eggs with her feathers and her breasts, it's going to keep them very at warm. 90, yeah. Uh-huh. But generally... Chickens go broody in the spring. Absolutely. When the weather and the temperature yep. gets up. Yep. So in that perfect little egg, there is a yolk. Yep. It's amazing how quickly the chick develops. Yes. So It's quick. It really is. So by day three, veins and blood vessels have formed. Right. The brain and the heart have formed by day three, and the heart has begun to beat. That is amazing. That quickly. By day five, the eyes have formed. Wow. By day eight, you have a beak, wings, and legs. And nine is feather follicles beginning to form. Right, and the feathers will continue to grow throughout the, the rest of the period. By the end of the second week, you pretty much have a fully formed chick. Right. They continue to grow and absorb the nutrients from that egg yolk. And it's pretty amazing. That one yolk powers the entire development of one perfect chick. It is, the whole process is amazing. It really is. I mean, when you think about it, they come out fully with their little peach fuzz feathers. Yeah. That those start on day nine and continue to grow while the chick's in the egg. And like you said, that one egg yolk powers all of this little chicken to grow. It really does. It's freaking amazing, honestly. It is. So like day 2021, 20, the chicks will pip. Right. And that's when they start knocking with our eggshell. And this is what we wanted to bring up, that if you're hatching your own, you're going to see it. Yeah, definitely. If you're getting a chick fairly quickly, you're going to see what's called the little egg tooth. Yeah. And it's what they use to get out of the egg. Right. It's like a little sort of bump right. on the end of their beak, the top of their beak. And they use this. They tap it against right. the shell. And they sort of go all the way around the shell. To try to break it. Exactly. The tooth will fall off after a couple of days. Right. But what work it has to do... This is really exhausting work for the chick. It can take them hours and hours. It's hard. So I think I've never seen it happen, but it has to be hard to be a person and l- watching hours and hours. But as somebody who's given birth to two children, uh-huh. it's safe. It. I'm sure it is. It's hard to. <laughs> if you're hearing anything in the background, that is Grayson. It's Grayson. He has a lot to say. He always <laughs> does. So after the chick finally gets free of the egg, then they need time to rest and dry off. Right. And that egg yolk that they consumed in the egg, in the shell, is still nourishing them for a couple of days right. after they're born. So for a while, if you listen to us on a regular basis, you're going to hear some stories about broody hens and uh, everything. Yes. When we talk with Fiona, but this is just straight chicks. So if you're having an incubator and you have the chicken there, the chick's going to need to stay in there for a little while to dry off right. before you take it out. Right. The um, primary need is heat and rest. So you need to let them dry off and let them rest. And if you have a broody hen, she's going to be doing that herself. Right, right. So she's going to be staying on the chick. So it's good to know like which way they're going to go. You have to give them a little bit of time. Right. You don't want to just take them, grab them, and start. No, no. Definitely let them rest. Let them stay warm. And dry off is the crucial thing. honest to God, it is so amazing. It really is. This egg comes out. It's fertilized, and then 21 days later, you have a chick. Exactly. I mean... If everything is right. If if it's fertilized, if it has all the temperatures it needs, right? Exactly. So then, what we want to get into is where to find chicks if you don't hatch your own. Yes. So if you don't hatch your own, and what's big in the U.S. is one-day-old chicks. Right. uh, Either that you go to a farm supply store that's near you, a local one, or you have them shipped to you. Hi, everyone. We just want to note that we recorded this episode before our own chicks had been shipped, and that shipping for both 2020 and 2021 has been extremely irregular. We just want to advise you to think carefully before you choose to have your chicks shipped this year. If you, if you are have loc- local breeders. Local breeders, which, sorry, I forgot about the local breeders. Or if you want to drive... Take a road trip. Right, take a road trip. You can you can usually buy chicks from breeders that way, or you can order them from a hatchery. A hatchery, in which this year, that is what we're doing. Yes. So where to find it? And this is what we can talk about the different places. Your local farm store, we have one called The Mill. Right. Which sells local farm supplies to farms all around our area and our state, and they do the shipping in of the chicks. So what happens is if you go to your local farm supply store, they will have a list usually of the chicks that they're scheduled to get in weekly. Yeah, their breeds. And you can look at the breeds and see if any of those interest you. And plan accordingly to those dates. In a normal year, that would be pretty foolproof. Yeah. But the past two years with shipping difficulties, et cetera, sometimes shipments are coming in late or they're not coming at all. I've been a victim of it myself. Right. And sometimes the hatcheries just change up, and that's what happened to me Uh when they were supposed to have speckled Sussex, and they didn't. Yeah, because it's not always a perfect process. So that's the one place. Now, if you want to be secure in what you get – you can search for breeders right, or you can go to the hatcheries. Right. And that's what we opted to do because there were several breeds that we wanted and we wanted them all at the same time. Right. So you actually have to check with the hatchery and make sure they're going to have that breed hatching on that week. Right. And we did find all of our breeds hatching on the same week. They were shipped together. Yeah. And we chose a hatchery that we respect for their humane treatment of their chickens. Correct. So that again, that was our choice this year. We really would want to buy for breeders, but just it didn't, it didn't work out this year. Right. In the future, that might be something that we do. Right. And where you can find breeders, you can check the Livestock Conservancy. Absolutely. They have lists on there of the breeders. Yes. And also, if you just check around on social media. Yeah, sometimes there are Facebook groups for a breed. Right. Or you just stumble across some people who are local to you, and you might find they have some interesting breeds. So the other thing is, when you're looking for chicks, you're going to come across... Some different things. So you might have a sexed chick or what's called a straight run. Right. And it's good to know what these things mean. Yes. So sexing chicks is difficult. It really is. Hatcheries employ professional chick sexers, literally professionals, to do it. And even then, there's still a 5 to 10 rate of error. Exactly. Yeah. So one out of every 10 is not going to be correct. Exactly. And if there's 55 sitting in the bin, right? there's some roosters yeah. in there. The other thing is some chickens are auto-sexing. Right. That's Yeah. And if you definitely cannot have a rooster or do not wanna, want to have a rooster, check out some of the auto-sexing breeds. One like, of which we're getting. Right. The cream yeah. crested leg bar that we're getting are an auto-sexing breed. Right. So females and males look different at birth. Right. And straight run means unsexed. So if you get your chicken straight run, prepare for some roosters. Yeah. With talking to Fiona, we found out that basically for every hen that hatches, a rooster does too. You know, I was- Or having, more. Or more. I was having a laugh with my sister the other day because when we got our first batches of chickens, we got the coach in straight rod. And somehow we got lucky and had like six or eight hens and two roosters. Wow. Just dumb luck. Yeah, that is- It does not always work that way. This is a story from last year. Someone that I know, her sister went out and bought chickens and chicks and thought she was getting six hens- and got five roos. Oh boy, it's not good. No, so if you are buying chicks and if you don't want roosters, make sure that look, they are not straight. Look rod. for the sign that says pullets. Yes, because pullets means girls. Right. So if you have that, but like we said, it's usually a ninety percent. Right. Correct. There is a margin of error there. There is. So if we move on, you're also when you're looking for chicks, Merrick's vaccine is one of those things that you want to figure out if you want to do or not, or if the person or the hatchery offers it. Exactly, right. I choose to get my chickens vaccinated for Merrick's. Again, that's personal choice, and you probably want to do some reading on this. Right. And you can make the decision for yourself. Right, exactly. And again, as Christy said, it's widely available now. Our local farm supply store, The Mill, does get their chicks vaccinated for Merrick's. I would say don't assume that every store does it. You probably want to ask. Make sure. Yes. That's Some of the larger want. places I don't think do. Right. They don't always offer the vaccinated so chicks. It is worth it to ask. Because yes. if you're raising these chicks and integrating them into another flock or into the, an existing flock. Right. They can spread disease. So right. biosecurity is very important. So the Merricks vaccine does help a little bit. Oh, definitely. Marek's is a chicken disease that attacks. It can attack multiple symptoms of a chicken. Right. It can cause serious neurological issues. Right. It can attack the organs, the eyes. And often it manifests in young chickens. Right. Which is where the vaccine will give your chicks some protection. Exactly. protection. Yeah. So that's the one thing to check on. Now, both Holly and I always opt to have this once again. This is your own decision. Right. And it's worth looking up Merrick's and making an educated decision on whether or not you want your chicks vaccinated. Yes. And if you're lucky enough to have an avian vet, it might be a conversation you want to have exactly. with Exactly. There's also a coccidiosis vaccine. It's a reasonably new vaccine. It's not available widely yet. No. And coccidiosis is... It's a protozoa. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. It's basically a parasite in an in intestinal tract. Uh-huh. So, with a little chick, it can cause big problems. It really can. This is where we're going to talk about medicated versus non-medicated food in a moment here. But there is a vaccine. Again, as we said earlier, it's not widely available. And the most important thing to know is if your chicks have had the vaccine, do not feed them medicated food. So, the medicated food, they're going to keep coccidiosis down because they're killing. Right. And it's medicated. So, basically... If you don't have the vaccine, which again we're saying is not widely available, it's a good idea to feed the medicated food. Definitely, especially we at do. first. We do, we choose to do it. Again, it's a personal preference. Right, and again, we're gonna talk about the medicated food in just a bit here, yeah. but the crucial thing to know there is that it's not an antibiotic in the food. No. It's amprolium, which is a thiamine blocker. Right, and the difference is, and we don't wanna to get too scientific here, being veterinary technician, Small animals, dogs and cats, are treated with something called Albon. Uh-huh. And it does have an antibiotic in it. Right. So I think that's where some of the misconception it's comes. It's entirely possible. From, because if you're worried about giving your chicks medicated feed because you don't want to use a broad-spectrum antibiotic, right. you are not doing that. You are just using a right. vitamin blocker to, to protect them from exactly. the I, And I honestly think that's where the confusion comes Probably. In. You're probably right. Because in small animal like dogs and cats that medication is used which is an antibiotic right because them themselves the protozoa can cause bacteria overgrowth and everything in dogs and cats right it's okay. different than in chicks right. and chickens so it's two totally different things yeah so whether or not to get the vaccine first of all and then whether or not we'll talk later about the medicated mm-hmm. food so again they're both personal preferences right. and where you want to go with it and now we're going to talk about something else that can be a little controversial for people, and that is shipping chicks. Right. So shipping chicks via the United States Postal Service is actually an American tradition, and people will question, how is this safe or even humane? Right. So first of all, companies or hatcheries can't ship you one, two chickens. Exactly. There's always a minimum of them, and it varies based on time of year and temperature. Right. So some of them, you can get as small as three. Mm-hmm. So... In the beginning of shipping, sometimes it was problems for people because you couldn't get less than fifteen to twenty. Exactly, and that is for the safety of the chick. Yes. So basically, the chicks they eat the yolk. Mm-hmm. They can go up seventy-two hours without right. eating, so they're mm-hmm. not starved. They're right. definitely nutrient-packed at that point. Yes. Their primary need is heat. It's heat. And that's why you have multiple chicks and shipping. So you have the chicks placed in the box with bedding and a heat pack. Right. And they are always shipped express. Right. Which is the fastest that you can go. Yes. And we hope that... Our postal carriers know what they're shipping. Now, here's the thing. My mom and dad are both retired Mm -hmm. United States postal carriers. Right. And my mom, who is an avid animal lover herself, would always talk fondly about when the chicks would come in and delivering them. She She was a rural carrier. She was. Right. Right. So she would take the chicks and deliver them mm-hmm. in the boxes, and she always took extra care. Now, you have to hope that there are a lot of people out there in the U.S. Postal Service that are seeing that these are live animals. And the, the boxes are clearly marked. Yes. And actually, most post offices now will make you come and pick them up. Exactly. Which is fine. So, like even when we talk about the mill, it's mm-hmm. our local farm store where we get all of our stuff, basically. Right. they usually go and pick them up at the at the post office, yes, yes. so the carriers, like my mom, she would drive them mm-hmm. out on rural as well, where we live now, yeah, but it's the Manchester. Maryland post office. Right, um, You do go pick them up. The, the ladies call you and say your chicks are here. Yeah. They're always really excited. They, we can hear them peeping in the box. Yeah. So they're very well aware of what's in the box and they do keep them as safe as possible. Oh, yeah. So they're definitely not something that is mismarked. They're, everyone right. knows exactly what's what they're, in there. Right. What they're shipping. The other thing is that these chicks just spent a long time in an egg Right. that's being rotated either by the hen or by the incubator, right. manually or mechanically, so that the egg is continually rotated right. as the chicks are developing, and they're used to being in dark and being moved around. They're used The to crucial it. thing is that they are warm, and they're cuddled up with their friends, and they generally come through shipping okay. The most important thing, you're right, is that they're warm, mm-hmm. number one. Number one, exactly. Is that they're warm. So like last year, the girls and I went to the store. We picked up our lavenders, mm-hmm. and we were supposed to pick up one oliveager, and they didn't hatch yet. And we were only getting one, right? So they're like, "Okay, you have to come back." The whole shipment didn't come in, right? Exactly. So we had to go in and pick up one oliveager, and the girls just took turns because we drove almost an hour to get these chicks, right? holding them holding her so close and warm against your body heat Mm -hmm. and that might be why Gertie is so attached to us holding it's entirely possible she I mean from the very beginning Mm -hmm. that's what she's used to so you just have to keep them as warm as possible that is the number one thing number one and we'll touch on this again as we talk about setting up a brooder but your chicks need to be like 95 degrees yes for the first week exactly Mm -hmm. so you know it's good I've I even have sometimes a little thermometer in my brooder just to keep a, a an eye on the temperature. We have awesome tool because, you know, Pete likes gadgets. Yeah. So, literally, it's like a little, I don't even it looks it looks a little bit like a flash drive. And you put it down in the brooder, press the button, and it gives an instant read. Oh, nice. And we can check the brooder temperature constantly. Nice. So, yeah, it's a really good thing. And if you're going to think about this, if you go to your local farm store, they're getting them shipped. Yeah. It's just shipping to them versus you. It's true. I mean, the only way that you can prevent this is driving to the breeder yourself. And and even then you are, you're driving them. They might be able to see, right. You know, where they're not in a dark box, but they're friends. But exactly. Yeah. The reality is unless you're getting chickens from your next door neighbor, they're going to undergo some stress to get them home. And the best thing you can do is keep them warm and get them into their brooder as soon as possible. Definitely. You know, you're not going to kind of get away from shipping a lot of times. Right, right. Unless you're driving or your neighbor. Well, no, not even driving because you're shipping them. So you're home. And I would suggest I do this every time before the chicks come is set the brooder up first before the chicks even arrive. Yes. So that I even get my heat sources on. That's important. If you have your brooder already at the maximum temperature, you can tuck your babies right in there. And that's what we do. Mm -hmm. So having that set up, what goes in the brooder? Bedding for your brooder. Yeah. Bedding for your brooder. I mean, we're trying to get everything in here. Yeah. I use pine shavings. Uh, We use shavings too. I tend to like the smaller ones. I I just feel like it gives the babies better cushion. Yeah. I can't go wrong with paper bale from the mill. They're pine shavings, but they're in a paper bale. Oh, those. Okay. 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 They're so soft. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so fluffy. I use those over there for everything. Uh Uh-huh. And they've worked continuously. Yeah, I really like soft shavings for them in a thick layer. I do a very thick layer. I know some people use newspaper. I really don't like it for a couple of reasons. The first is that it can get wet and you have to change it quickly. The second is that they can slip and it can actually affect the way their legs grow. I do use newspaper, but do you know how? I put a layer of newspaper down. You don't even see the newspaper. Yeah, it's and at the then, bottom. Yeah, and then the shavings all on the top. Right, we're talking about just newspaper. There are some issues with it. Some people just use layers of paper towels, which That's is going to be expensive. It's probably fine. It would be expensive, but you'd have to change it pretty quickly because you can't have the babies running around. And the other thing about the shavings, which is really good, is like you said. The shavings tend to cover up the poop. Right. Because you're not going to be able to get every little piece of poop out of there. Right. So they're not running through it, smashing it in their feet, and then eating right. it. Because off their right feet. there you've got a coccidiosis risk immediately. Yeah. 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 So the shavings worked for me every every you've been using them for twenty years and they worked just five Yeah. Us too. And like yeah. I said, I just put the newspaper on the very bottom to help absorb what comes through the shavings. Right. Like, if they spill the water or yeah. something. Plus, it helps. It <laughs> this is this so funny? Water. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. I roll, I use the paper to roll up the shade. That's a good idea. To clean out. Yeah. And yeah. then I take the roll, which is like so thick, and throw uh-huh. it in the trash can. That's perfect. That's a really good idea. I've always done that. And now we're going to move into basically care. And feeding the chicks. So we're going to talk about when you walk in the door, have the brooder set up. Right. Immediately after getting them in the brooder, watch them for a couple of minutes. You know what I do all the time is I show them the food and water instantly. That's what I was going to say. So generally, and this is probably old timer practice because we've been doing this. I dip their beak, each one in the water. We watch to see which is the most outgoing chick and we usually choose her gently dip her beak in the water, show her the food, she'll catch on pretty quickly, and she'll show all the rest of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do it to each and every one of them. Oh, okay. That's fine. I just take every one of them to the food and water. I've been doing that every single time. Okay, And I've never had a problem with them not seeing the water. Now, they'll make a mess... That's for sure. Well, they're going to. They're babies. Yeah. babies make messes. They and that's make okay. big messes. That's interesting. I've always just done the one chick. I've done every single one, and and you know she'll show them. And they, I mean, they're all eating and drinking within yeah. a few minutes. But yeah. that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they're gonna make a mess. They're gonna poop in their water. They're gonna kick stuff around. Their it's babies. the one it frustrating happens. thing is you're changing water like twenty times a day. And you there. know what? just give up on clean water (laughs) literally just check it every i don't know as as often as you can i mean pete and i take turns oh yeah this is my hour i try as a grow to put it up 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 out of like the very first day it's in the shavings yes and then i use bricks to put it up so that it's out of the shavings so i mean there's a whole process that you go through and some of this has to do with your chicks too like the brahmas those big sleepy giants were crazy babies and so they were constantly trying to get on top of the water, oh, on yeah. top of everything. Oh, yeah, They were really interesting little chicks. So now we should talk about the brooder itself. And there's different different options that you have. You can use a big storage bin. Like a big tote. Like a big, huge tote. Uh-huh. I use an 80-gallon tote. I think that's what ours is as well. You can use a galvanized yeah. tub. Yes. Which I love those, but they're pretty expensive. They can be costly. I've also seen people use the, what are they made of? Like the horse troughs? The horse yes. troughs that are made of some kind of heavy plastic. Yeah. I've seen that. The other thing is, though, like even my 80-gallon tub was still like $70. Oh, yeah. They, they cost They're a lot. expensive. Yeah. So you can use pop-ups. I would generally want to use a pop-up after the first week or two because there's all air coming in. Right. Now, I use the big eighty gallon tote and the walls come very high. Yes. So the first few days you don't need a top. They can't get out of there. Right, unless you're trying to protect them from something like a dog, a cat, exactly. Right. But the walls themselves keep the heat in. Yes, they do. It's true. So that's why I like that for the beginning. Yeah. And as they grow and feather, then I bring a pop up in. Yeah. It's amazing how fast they grow and how fast they need more space. They need more space. So the pop-up is a really good option for that. Yeah, and pop ups you can just order on Amazon and get them in a day or two. <laughs> yeah. And they're good to have. We've talked about this on our normal episodes, first aid pop ups. If you're having a problem with a chicken, you need a place for this chicken to be safe. The same pop up can be used for a brooder. Right. So we're actually going the same route. We are going to use our big toad at first. Right. As they get bigger, we're going to move them into a pop up. And Pete actually ordered a second pop up to use when we take them outside. And we'll talk about that in a bit. Right. And then the other thing that a lot of people do is build a brooder themselves. Yeah, wooden boxes. Wooden uh-huh. boxes are great. Yes. It's also, if you do it tall enough, it can keep the heat in again. Right. It gives you a place to hook something. Right. So all those things are very good options. I've seen some on farm supply websites that look like, like an octagon made out of vinyl panels. Oh, yeah. I think they snap together. I'm not sure. I've never seen them. They also them. have, like, cardboard ones that you can buy at the store. Probably, but like, a heavy thing. cardboard. Something like that. But they don't look very tall. And the yeah. thing that people aren't going to understand is these chicks sit in the palm of your hand for a total of days and then they're going to be bigger they grow so fast so like the walls have to be tall or you have to have a lid on this and at a certain point the lid is not voluntary anymore no once they get a few more wing feathers they're going to be flying out of the brooder there's some that you can get they look like a little barn it's a cardboard yeah If you plan on keeping chickens for years, and it's almost better just to invest in something good that's going to work for you. Yeah, or build something good that will work long term, Because you're going to use it every year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now that you have your actual structure, then this is something that we've been going back and forth about, and it's brooder heat source. right. So, back in the day, all we had was a heat lamp. Heat lamp. And the wisdom was you would choose a red heat lamp. Yep, Because the red would let the chicks sleep easier at night. It was supposed to keep them calmer. Yeah. Now, I've used heat lamps almost all the time. Right. I put it up. <laughs> my system is kind of funny. Like, this system is foolproof. It had worked for me. I put the tote on a little bit of a stack and then put blankets and everything under it because I put the brooder in my garage. Right. And then behind the brooder, I put a wood ladder that we have. Okay. Like a tall five-foot wood ladder. Uh-huh. So, I start with different levels. So, I'll put the heat lamp on the bottom rung of the ladder, hanging over. Right. And then as they get bigger, I put it up another rung. Right. So that the heat is less and less on the brooder. Yeah, and the idea there is that as the chicks get older, they need less heat. And so also, move it by increments. You want to keep it so that it's away from the shavings exactly. as much as possible. Yes. That is where heat lamps become a major fire hazard. Right. And that is why new technology, as we keep talking about technology, becomes new. They discover new ways of doing things right. that are safer. And so, this year, this year, we're both taking the plunge. We bought Sea brooder plates. Yes. So we're going to try the safer route. And, you know, the heat lamp has never been bad for me, ever. No, I've never had any trouble with it either. But there are a few things I really like about the brooder plate. Yeah. The first is that it uses less power. Yeah. It only draws 12 volts. And the heat lamp is powerful. Yes. Yeah, so you're really using is. a lot of electricity to run that. The heat plates run on the same radiant heat technology that the new coop heaters use. And right. if you've listened to us, you know that we're really a fan of these panel coop heaters. Right. They're very, very safe. They're very eco-friendly as far as not drawing that much electricity. And the surface doesn't even get hot enough to burn. Yeah. The chicks, the shavings, anything. Right. So you're going to feel better when you have to leave the house. Mm-hmm. And believe me, this light, the heat source can never go off. Right. You you can't just turn it off during the day. Your chicks must have that heat. Yeah. And the first week or two, it cannot be below 95 degrees. Right. So, you know, this is something that you can, again, look up online mm-hmm. and purchase it and have it delivered. We have our, you know, we're already going. With right. It. So this is something that we like. Again, personal choice it's a, it's a good thing to think of if you have any fears of the heat lamp. yeah the, literally the burner plate it looks like a table it has as, legs. And it rises as the chicks get larger. Right, so you can... Apparently, you can even put one end of it up. Right. But you would push it up so the tail is get higher and higher, right, as the chicks need less heat. You can also adjust it based on your breeds. Like, if you only have Bantam babies, you can right. keep it pretty low. Right. If you have a bigger breed, you can pop it up a little bit. I have been told by friends who use this that as the chicks get bigger, they like to roost on top of the plate, too. I'm sure, which it, <laughs> it would probably still be warm. Probably, Yeah. All these things, like, it feels like this is pretty serious talking, but we just want to get these things out first that are the facts. Right. And let everyone kind of look at things and make their decisions. Having chicks in reality is really fun, and it's a great family experience as long as you're prepared. Right. So this is why it's a little bit more of a serious episode, but... We just want everyone to know all the facts out there. And- oh, yeah. I mean, being able to listen to us while you're working or driving, you know, lets you absorb some of this information rather than having to pour through book after book. Yeah, The back of the brooder prayed a little bit, it's it's a little bit of an experiment because there are a couple of questions I wanted to answer. Right. And we both have heat lamps on the side in case we need them. Right, we do. But I'm wondering two things. The first is, do the chicks rest better because they don't have the light on for 24 hours? Right. The is still out. We're trying to side on that. The other is we're thinking that the chicks like the plate more because it's more natural. It's like diving under the broody hand right. to cuddle up. Well, a lot of people in the brooder, and this is one of those hints that I've seen along the way, is you can use like a feather duster and I've hang it in your brooder. I've actually seen... And the chicks get under it. Yes. I've actually seen a faux feather cover that you can put on top of the brooder plates. Right. It's really cute. Yeah. I can see where the chicks would feel very comforted by that. Exactly. And then on top, you are going to be with the chicks, given your own human, you know, holding them and everything else. So, yes, to be as natural as possible, the plate kind of takes place as the mom. Yeah, yeah. And when we talked to Fiona, she uses the plates also. Yes. Yeah. In fact, the Britsy plates, I think, are a British. It's a British company. I'm it pretty d- sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So your chicks are warm and thriving, and you're wondering about feeding them. So nutritional requirements for chicks. Chick food, first of all, is much higher in protein. Yes, much. So think about how fast a little chick goes from the palm of your hand to a bigger pullet, a bigger chick. They grow so fast that is bone growing that is skin that is feather yeah all those things take an immense amount of protein yes it makes me think of a little bit like on the Harry Potter movies and they're like grow the bone right and they hit like the wand it's the best. food has to be where they're getting their nutrition twenty percent protein yeah it has to be really really high in protein and that for at least the first seven to eight weeks right then you can come down after where it's to 17 to 18. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep that going for a while. Yeah, like four or five months. Mm -hmm. I, on my chicks, personally, I keep them on chick food until they lay. It's not always possible. Right. The last girls I did because they went into their own run. Right. So, basically, when the first chick laid, then I started mixing the regular feed in. That's when you switch them to a layer feed. Right. A layer feed is usually about 16% protein. Right. And it's bumped up in calcium. Exactly. So... The problem is sometimes when they're young, you don't want them to have as much calcium. It can affect their kidneys a little bit. Right, yeah. So when you're going into an existing flock, that's where I've had problems before where it's hard. Yeah. Because the girls that are laying eggs can't have medicated feed. Right. Because you're eating the eggs. Right. And that's when I switch at that point when they go out to non-medicated chick and mix it. I'm trying to remember because it's been two years since we've had chicks. I'm pretty sure I started to mix in like... I will say that because we were integrating the last... The you let to mix it in quicker. Right. The last batch of chicks we had were the Brahmas and they were going in with the Swedish flowers. So I started mixing the layer food in with their food probably somewhere between four and five months so that I could switch them to layer when they were with the other girls. Yeah, Because it's hard to take... The girls who are laying off that food. is exactly. They need that extra they calcium. Need that. Exactly. So it's different. So, like, I had the luxury, or the babies did last year, of staying on until the first girl laid. Right. And so they got that extra protein. All yeah, the way if up. they're going into their own coop and run, it, it's so much simpler in so many ways. Until they lay, then you put them on the layer feet. If you're integrating them into a flock that's existing, that's where it's a little bit more dicey. And you really need to get them used to the layer feed before they're out there. Yeah, you can mix it a little bit in so that I they're more I started mixing used to- it a little bit at a time until they were eating more than half layer feed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then comes the question, and we're going to – we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, is whether or not you feed medicated food. Right, right. We can touch a little bit more on it right now. Mm -hmm. So, again, personal preference, we use medicated food. Yes, absolutely. With the medication that treats coccidiosis. Yes. It's a protozoa that can get into their intestines and cause bloody diarrhea, and for a little tiny chick – It can be devastating. It can be devastating, and it can move so quickly it can infect your entire flock, all of your babies. So if the vaccine isn't available, the next best thing is to feed the medicated food. Yes. And, you know, there are different viewpoints on whether or not to feed medicated or not but again that's a, a personal preference we do do it we feed the medicated we don't honestly see a downside to it because again it's not a broad spectrum antibiotic no. it's a thiamine blocker it blocks vitamin B1 because B1 is what the coccidia need to develop and multiply. Right. And if you take that away from them, it kills off the coccidia in the the chick or bird system. And then you can bump them back up with some vitamins. Right. And and get them... There's all kinds of little, like, uh, chick vitamins and electrolytes Mm -hmm. that you can buy and add to their water. exactly, And help with the other stuff. But I don't see a downside to feeding the medicated food. No. And then the next thing with medicated food is how long do you feed it? And the common recommendation is stop feeding it at eight weeks. I go longer. We go longer. I go longer, too. I go longer because the fear is that you build up a resistance to it. I don't think there's ever been proved that coccidiosis get a resistance to the coccidostats. I don't think that they do. But I'm just saying that could be where one of the thoughts is coming in, that maybe they would build a resistance to it. I don't see an issue. I keep them on it for as long as I can, usually about... I'd say three or four months, I'll start to switch them to non-medicated. Yeah, and we had been lucky and had not had a case until we had the Brahmas. Right. And Caramel developed coccidiosis, I want to say, there was somewhere between three and four months. They were yeah. a little older. Yeah. And it progressed very quickly. It was blood. It was mm-hmm. very scary. But the medicated feed and uh, making her a hot mash with the medicated feed and keeping right. her eating went a long way in getting it taken care of. Quicker. She got that even eating the medicated feed. Yes. And so, Corrid was our go-to right and in a minute we're going to talk about our chick first aid kit and some of the things we have in there yeah so again we choose to feed longer than eight weeks do your research make your own decision about that and the other thing to remember with chicks is they do not need treats for a very long time so in the beginning we want to hold them right we want to give them like strawberries and everything else yeah But honestly, they just need the nutrients in the food. Yes. And nothing else. Right. So giving them treats is taking away from them eating what they would eat and feed. So in the very beginning, I don't give them treats till they're out in the run, basically i probably do a little sooner than that. Yeah. Definitely nothing the first couple weeks. I probably don't do anything the first month. Yeah. And then after that. But generally what I'm giving them are the kind of grains you would find in a whole grain, chick food anyway. Right, And I think that the Iowa Blue Farm grower would be good at that point too. Absolutely. And again, it has those grains in it that they can eat naturally and they do really well with. Yeah, I think, like, it's so funny. The first treats I give them are, like, little pieces of dandelions. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be really good. They're supposed to be really good for them. And then I kind of – I do move to strawberries. I don't – generally, for the first few months, I don't give treats. No, they don't really need – But you want to. Right. You want to be like, oh, my God, they're so cuddly. You want to just give them something, but – Even grass, grass, which is so natural for them to eat and they love, they really shouldn't have access to that for the first couple of weeks. I love when you take them out and they're in the grass for the first few times and they find a worm. Oh, it's so cute. It's the cutest thing. The worms are bigger than them and they're like trying to pull them up and you're like, oh my God. They're adorable. So it's just better. And then there's the question of chick grit, whether or not to give it. Grit in general helps break down the food in the crop. Right. So if they eat something that's not easily broken down the grit is going to help break it down quicker. Yeah and most commercial chick foods are going to they have, do have it in there. grit mixed in there at first. I probably introduce it more quickly than most people because I just want them to be in the habit of eating it right they really really need it and I was told at one of our farm supply stores that they've just discontinued carrying it that's just crazy to me well if I can't find it, I'm telling you I'm going to take some of the adult grit and bash it up yeah until it's small pieces for them yeah yeah yeah. it's like the chick grit is kind of very fine it's little teeny polished granite bits Yeah. yeah yeah It definitely will help that crop get used to it and get them used to eating it. They, they really need it to grind their food. Oh, yeah, and if you have them out in the grass at all? Yeah. They need it for that. Yeah, they do. Definitely mm-hmm. for sure. So, let's move on to the chick first aid kit. Yes. Now, we've talked about in previous episode a chicken first aid kit. Yeah. And this is kind of the same. But you just want to make sure if you have a chick that you have the stuff geared towards chicks also. Right, so right. When you go out and when you order, you want to start to get these things. And everybody that's going to the farm supply store has seen the little envelopes. It's like little three packs of yes, Save the Chick, yes. electrolytes, and probiotics. Exactly. So those are always good They're to have, great. On hand. have on hand. You can use them with, with chickens too. They're not I, just for babies. I have them on hand at all times. Yeah, I me mean too. So. In my first aid kit. Yep. The other thing that we were talking about before was, and we're going to mention this, pasty butt. Chicks can get this. It's when their stool is very soft and it sits. It sticks to them and it actually blocks them from pooping. It sticks. So it's soft and then it dries. Right. And I've had that, not a major case of it, but you just check them every day. Make yep. sure nothing's on. I normally just take warm water, like on a... Uh a very soft cloth and just hold it there until it softens and then just wipe it off. But if it can be really bad, you have a trick which is giving them some ground-up oatmeal in their feed. Someone told me this years and years ago and I'm not sure if it's the starch and oatmeal, whatever it is. If you give them ground-up oatmeal, it can help with the pasty butt. We did have some pasty butt with our last batch of chicks that were shipped. Mm -hmm. All we had on hand were the quick oats. And you can actually crumble them with your fingers yeah and if not you can just put them in a food processor exactly a coffee grinder anything like that yeah get it ground up the chicks love them you just sprinkle it on top of their food they go crazy for it yeah sure and so that's kind of one of the first treats you can introduce if you need to if you need to for that and then we always say the polyvisol which chicks you have to make sure some chicks can have a vitamin deficiency and get rye right there's rye and a couple of other vitamin deficiencies that can manifest themselves vitamin Polyvisol is definitely one that you want to have on hand. Yes. And it's infant nutrient. Right. So you're in the grocery store or the Walmart, any kind of store like that. And you could probably order on Amazon too. I keep it in the first aid kit all year round. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. In case somebody gets sick, it's not going to be a bad thing to give. It's really rich in vitamins and nutrients. You want to make sure you buy the one without iron. Your yes. chickens do not need that extra iron. They don't need iron at all. No, and it, it's an excellent source of vitamins for several neurological right, Rynek, vitamin one deficiencies. neck is a big one in the youngsters, and that's yeah. what the chicks get. Yeah, and generally the rynic, they it seems to be the chick that gets pushed out a little bit more. Can they? And yeah. they're not getting the nutrients right. in that they need. And as fast as that body is growing, they need to replenish and replenish and replenish. Yeah, it's very important that You know, they get so their full complement of vitamins. Right. Another thing that's good to keep on hand is Drench. It's similar to the Polyvisol. It doesn't have quite as many vitamins and minerals. Right. But the difference is NutriDrench, as soon as you get it in their mouth, their body can absorb it. Right. This is good for chicks that won't eat. Not that you ever want to see that happen. And then the last thing you want to have is Cora, which I have at all times. Yes, Definitely. In the uh, chicken first aid kit, corid is a huge thing that you need to keep right. in there. And you can read the bottle and it tells you how to dose it. Yes. If not, you can maybe call your veterinarian, they can help you with dosing, but it does give you a formula basically, for right? Right, right. And Corid is just another form of amprolium. Right. That if you do have a coccidiosis outbreak, even with the medicated feed, right. you want that on hand because that will save your chicken's life. In the past, I haven't had like a, a case of pasty. Right. But just anything around the back area. You just yeah. use a warm cloth. Right. With warm water, apply it and soften it up. And you don't want to pull anything. No. Chick's skin is very, very... Very like you fragile. You yes. very easily. Don't pull anything Don't off. pull anything. And once you do that, you can put a little bit of oil around the vent. Like baby yeah, oil. Baby oil. Vaseline oil. even. Yeah, anything like that. that to keep stop. it from sticking. Yes. And then, like Holly Ann said feed the oatmeal and the thing with pasty butt is it kind of sounds funny it's a funny name blah, ha blah, blah, ha blah, blah. it can kill them well it can because then they can't poop exactly and it, it, it can kill them sometimes you hear a chick that you know is warm like chirping in distress check it for pasty butt oh yeah i every day multiple times well because we're constantly holding them right but you just turn them over and look yeah and make sure nothing's there exactly and generally you can just look in there and make sure the poop looks normal right Poop is always good to be seeing in the yeah. border, not on the behinds. Honestly, your whole life with chickens, you want to look at poop. You want to see poop. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's true. It tells yeah. you so much about the health of your chickens. Oh yeah. So then, my favorite part, which we're coming up to, is handling, <laughs> yes. where we get into a little bit of fun, and basically, you're the mama for now. I mean. Like, And whoever's in your family, it's the girls and I right here. We definitely put them in our shirts, put them, you know, on our chest, close to our hearts so they can feel our hearts. And handling them from day one is very important. It's important. But I will say this as a cautionary note. You and the girls know what you are doing really well. Yeah. So if you're not quite... Tuned in with knowing how to keep your chicks warm. Keep them under the brooder lamp. And you know, you can take them out, but for very short sessions. To make yeah. sure they get back in. I mean, we just, we take them out. We watch some TV with them. <laughs> But handling them shows them that the hand is a good thing right. and not a bad thing, right? Because down the road if you don't handle them a lot in the beginning, treating them for something and I'm telling you, something always comes up. Oh, there you're going to have to medicate something, yes. There will always be something. If they're not used to your hands and you're trying to medicate them in any right. way, shape or form or even just check them out, right? You won't be able to. Right. And even if you don't want to, I mean, we love a lap chicken. Oh, yeah. But even if you don't want a lap chicken, like Christy said, just desensitizing them to the human touch can go a very long way. Yeah, because if you have four chickens and something happens, you're going to be handling them. Or right? a vet's going to be handling right. them. Right. Right. They have to know that the hand is not a bad thing. And we take it one step further here, the girls and I. I mean, like, we really bond them to us. Right. So you can do it in whatever kind of broad spectrum you want to do it. Right. As little or as most as you can. Because we really want ours. We don't just say it. We do hog our chickens every day. I know. So handling them is the best way to get them used to it. Yes. You cannot overestimate how harmful stress can be for your chicken. So getting them used to being handled actually cuts down on their stress. Yeah. Tremendously. So we always say this, stress can kill. Okay. It can. So if your chicken gets something that's you can fix, but by you handling them and helping them, you're stressing them. Right. It can be just as bad. So that's why we were talking about this earlier. When something goes on, I always make sure the chickens know the garage because they're gonna be coming up. Even as chicks, they start off in the garage. Right. And then that's like our secondary spot pl- so they're spot not for super them. stressed if you have to pull them out for treatment, right? Exactly. Right. And I mean, that starts right from the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, having them in As the opposed to my basement is that your basement. The same is way? That place. Yeah, yeah. So like when they come into the garage, they're not fearing it and not knowing it. Right. Or like this winter when we had bad weather, the pop ups are in their garage. Right. They have to know those things. Yeah. I sit it with them in the garage. Right. Tucked in because it can be colder. So just getting them used to all those things. Yeah. So feather development. It starts early. It does. So when we say your chicks are growing fast, they are growing like crazy. Right. And they are shedding their down and growing feathers really quickly. So they get through their first molt very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you get them and they're so cute, within days. You see real feathers sprouting through their down. And it hurts them. A little bit it can yeah the pin feathers coming through yeah painful so that's another thing just to be aware of that the very first mold they have is those baby down feathers coming out and they're another continually other, replacing them right through a lot of their first five or six and months generally they don't mold the first year at all not until the second season right, and they don't really need to because they've replaced all new their feathers. feathers so so many times exactly the downside of that is lots and lots of shed feathers and lots of dust there's so much dust from chicks. Yeah. And that was one of the things that always had me a little worried about the heat lamp is right. the dust. Yeah, that's true. It, I mean, and, it can be flammable. And the down feathers flying. Right. If something fell on that heat lamp, that's that's what everybody says starts at one little spark. Right. It, yeah. Those feathers are starting pretty instantaneously. So here's a good tip. Once you get your chicks home and warm and fed, take a few pictures right then and there. Yeah. They're going to change within hours. So quickly. I mean, take your baby pictures. Yeah, if you're between, lucky, you can get that egg tooth on there. Yeah, I always took turns with them, maybe five minutes at a time. If right. that to and get them back under the heat, two or three quickly. minutes yeah. sometimes, and then you switch. you yes. get another one, and then you right. get another one, and keep them warm because you have to keep them warm so much. That's the most important thing, by far the most important thing. They have your chicks will die if they get too cold. Yeah. Hypothermia sets in very quickly. Yeah, so just keeping them under the heat is good. <laughs> Something we didn't mention, but it's probably important, and I know we're still figuring this out with our own brooders, but that is just watching your chicks at first to see if they're laying in a bunch or cheaping. Have you ever seen the diagrams that's out there? And I forgot who puts them out there, but it's perfect. There's diagrams that show you in your brooder where your chicks should be. Uh Uh-huh. So if you're, like, they're all under the light, Uh or I'm saying light because I'm so old Right, Exactly. Under the heat source. If they're under the heat source, all together huddled, it's too cold. If they are all away from the heat source, it's too hot. It's too hot, right? They're trying to get... And then they show you a diagram of perfectly around everywhere. Yeah. Generally, your chicks will not be huddled. When they're really cold, they they might be huddled and cheeping. Yeah. They'll make a lot of noise if they're cold. Yeah, And so what you want is them that near each other, but not... Totally squeezed together. Right. Relaxed. Sometimes you'll see, like Chrissy said, stretched out. That's like out. my favorite thing. <laughs> it's really It's when they stretch out at night. Stretched out chicks. Because Joe always says, I don't see you when we get chicks at night because you're out there watching them sleep. And oh, I'm like. It's so cute. It's just the cutest. It really is. And, you know, when they're stretched out and comfortably sleeping. Yeah spread out, you know that you have a good heat source. Yes. It's a good thing. So you mentioned the thermometers and the instant heat read. They're such good tools to have on hand. Oh, yeah. Just to keep checking and making sure. Because again, your chicks can become hyperthermic quickly yeah. if they're not getting their adequate heat. Yeah. So that's like one of the major things. It's just the warmth in the beginning. Now, outside time. Yes. We give a lot of outside time as they grow feathers. Right. So after I'd say two to three weeks. Exactly. The first two weeks they're definitely in. We're in holding them when they're out. Right. they're back in shortly. huh After three weeks... I, I take them wait out about three weeks. Take yeah. them outside, right? And it, it's so funny because our neighbors have got to be like, "Oh my goodness, the Carlos are so crazy chicken people." Because the girls and I will be laying on a big blanket, and then the chicks will be all around us, Aww. and we're just snapping a million pictures. Yeah, and they need that sun just as much as your. Older girl needs They it. definitely need that sunlight, especially if they're in a brooder where they're not getting any kind of natural light. Right. They really need, and it can be very short sessions, but they definitely need that sunlight. It also gets them used to eating grass. Right. Scratching in the dirt. All those natural chicken behaviors. It's so cute to watch them first scratch around and it walk adorable. around. And then it gets to the point where you can't catch them. And then you're chasing them around the yard. Well, that's where the pop-ups come in. Yeah. So we have the big pop-ups. We zip the bottom off, place it on the grass, and put them inside and zip the top. And you know what I've done? I have the big pop-ups that don't have the bottom come off, but it does have the top and uh-huh. everything. I just put the shavings in there and put that in the yard for a while. That's true. So they're not getting the grass, but they're getting the sunlight. They're getting the sunlight. Like usually when I garden in early spring, the pop-up's right next to me. Yeah and they're just staring at me and we're not talking about unsupervised your chicks have to be supervised every minute and that pop up is not going to protect them from a fox from a hawk they can rip right exactly. through it so they can't be just sitting out and the Our other dogs. thing is yeah the other thing is The pop-up can be in too much sunlight. So if it's too warm, you have to move it into a shady spot. Right. They have to be supervised. You know, we were saying two or three weeks, but like this year, we got our chicks very early. Yeah. So this year, we probably wouldn't – I wouldn't be taking chicks outside if it's less than like 60 or 65 degrees. Yeah, exactly. No way. Yeah. They definitely need it warmer than that. What we also do, because last year, we got the girls at the end of March, and April was cold. Yeah. So off of our kitchen, we have a laundry room and we close the door uh-huh. from the dogs. Right. And then the three of us sit in the laundry room, and the chicks just run around. Let them run around the floor. Yeah, that's a good and idea, too. And then we put our legs out, and they crawl all over you. They yeah. poop on you. And then you're like, ah, they pooped <laughs> on me. Oh, no. So it's one of those things, you yeah. know? They don't have a, like, if your, your birdie hen is hatching, your chicks, she's going to take the chicks outside, and teach them how to do that stuff. And basically, you're taking the place of the exactly. birdie hen. Exactly. So you're letting them have that natural chicken time. The other thing, which, okay, I saw something really new and cute on Amazon. It's the multi-perch for your chicks. I saw that too. It's adorable. And we make our own perches for the we babies. Do yeah, we so do yeah. So easy to do. Even if you're not handy, you just nail two pieces into right. a piece into two little legs and you got a perch. I always put the roosting bar in the brooder yes. from the very beginning. Oh, we don't usually put ours in right away. I put it in the first day. Okay. And believe it or not, sometimes you'll be, see them like... Oh, I believe to get up it. There. I believe it. But I have it in there because it just instinctually, they'll want to do it when they're ready. Yeah. They want to it. And I just want higher. it available for them. Yeah, so we- yeah. Joe makes these little ones that we stick in there. They're he so makes cute. them, too. They're really cute. And we saw one on Amazon that had, like, three different roosting yeah, levels. It had, yeah, so they could get even higher. And it was called, like, a chick jungle gym or something. something. So you could even take it outside. Yeah, you could. When you have them exercising. They always fly in our little bushes when they go outside. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> and I'm like, can't get them. Then they run under the bush. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But perching is a natural behavior. It is. Now, I will say that, again, I thought the commercial perches were adorable, but a lot of them were round. They were like round dowel rods. Oh, yeah. I don't like my chicks on round perches. We, yeah, we never use round. We just basically use a flat piece. Exactly. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't care for it. I think it can be hard on their feet to try to hold on that way. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times they're not doing much on it unless they're a little bit bigger. Right. But I've never used a round dowels either. No. So it might be neat to either make something like that or if you get it, use it outside. Right, yeah. yeah. For a little while. And here's the thing. If you get it, chances are with chickens and if you really enjoy it, you're going to get more chicks. Probably. (laughs) You'll use it again. Yeah. I remember when I started. I told you. We're only going to have four chickens ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then I soon discovered that, as in all animals in my life, I love chickens. Yes, I love all animals, my whole life has been dedicated to animals, first being a nurse for animals for over fifteen years, and then having my own animals. I think that there's just something so charming about chickens. And the breeds are so fascinating mm-hmm. that it's just easy to want more of them. It is. You look at them and you're like, "Oh, that would be great. Oh, that would be great. Oh, it's this year was terrible <laughs> because we're doing the breed spotlight every week and we're looking at all these different breeds. <laughs> all the and to chickens. be honest, it's hard to find anything really bad with any animal, especially a chicken. Right, right. So really, so for us it came down to what breeds would fit best into our existing situations. Right. So, I mean, I have a laid-back flock. Yeah. So I need laid-back chickens. Yeah. So not only for the kids, but for chickens that we have. Right, right. So that's the thing. When you're looking for the chick that you're going to get, think about your existing flock that they are going into. Exactly. Unless they're getting their own coop and yard. Then you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. But otherwise, it's good to have compatible breeds if you can. So if you have a laid-back chicken like any breed of Warpington, yeah. they're laid-back. Right. I mean, majorly. I have Orpingtons and Cuckoo Morans together. Yeah. My Cuckoo Morans love me and will snuggle with me. But they're a bossy chicken to yeah. the other chickens. Yeah. And somehow my two Orpingtons have held their ground. I and know. And they're it's, still number one in it there. It must be seniority because they really do rule that. that they cuckoo. rule that roost. Yeah, they, they, they do. Rule it. And those Cuckoos are like trying as hard as they can, but it doesn't <laughs> help. So when you think of chicks, think about... Your existing flaw, yeah because you will save yourself here's the thing we haven't mentioned on here but we should as part of chicks is integration yeah that we're actually going to give that its own episode that's going to have its own episode yeah but here integration is a big deal and listen in for what we have to say about it before but it's not something to be taken lightly keeping the chickens inside I generally keep them up to 12 weeks in yeah we have two. I was thinking about that we have two. yeah after that becomes the real work yeah because then, if you have an existing flock, that's your integration, right? And we're like you said, we're doing a whole episode on this, yeah. And that'll be a little later in the season when it's closer to the time that you're going to be integrating these chicks, right? There are just a few things you can do to ease this transition, right? It takes time and patience. It does, but there are a few things you can do to ease this transition just to make it easier for your chickens and you because it can be stressful for everybody involved. So until all that, like I think we've covered all the boring, <laughs> serious. Backs. Yeah, I mean, but the, the one tip we have left is to make sure that you have some kind of a cover for your brooder always. for For a lot of uh, various reasons, like keeping, so your you're inside out, the house, right? If your brooder's inside the house and somebody flies out, you're not there. Right. The dog's natural instinct will not be, hey, this is a chick, I'm going to leave it alone. The sweetest dog in the world is going to want to go after a chick that's flying around. Right. And it's surprising how even the heavyweight breeds can fly as chicks. Here's the other thing a cover can help your brooder with. I use the cover, I use chicken wire. Okay. Okay. Mine's very primitive. Two big logs. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. With chicken wire, and they're wrapped around the logs. Yeah, that's perfect. And then it hangs. The lamp would hang right above that. Say the lamp, for whatever reason, breaks. Right. It's falling on the lid. It's not falling it's in not on falling the chicks. It's falling in on the chicks and igniting the shavings. Right. Exactly. So, I don't know. Maybe I just worry about all this stuff. But it's good to be prepared. It is good to be prepared. My border lid is even more primitive. It's a window screen. Oh, yeah. I books on it. <laughs> a giant window screen. If anybody's out there and it's a first time getting chicks or even the second time or third or fourth and you have any questions whatsoever, feel free to DM us or email us yeah, with your questions. Yeah, we'll, reach We'll be happy to help you as much as we we'll can. We'll be happy to help you with anything that we know. It's a lot to learn, a lot to know. And if you're doing it, it's because you love chickens and you want to get it right. So there's a lot of information out there, good, useful information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like you said, sometimes it's hard to sit and have the time to read multiple books. Right. You're looking for some good information out there. And if you need to, give us an email. So now that we've gone over all this information... I feel like we've been more serious this time, but we had to because there's so much information to get out there for everyone. Yeah. We want to say enjoy your babies. Have fun. Don't take your eyes off of them for long because they're, they, they grow so fast. They grow faster than real kids. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> <laughs> so, what ha- do you mean real kids? <laughs> Humans, like kids? human kids. Human kids. So, Have fun, enjoy the ride, and put lots of pictures out there. We love seeing everybody's pictures, especially chick pics. It makes us just want more babies and more babies. Because that's what we need. (laughs) 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 So we hope you enjoyed this special bonus episode. Again, if you have any questions, Please don't hesitate to email us or DM us, and we'll help you the best that we can. And until next time, everybody, what enjoy should we talk- your babies and hug your chicks every day. Don't forget to hug and kiss <laughs> them. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring in even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>